Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. We're so blessed that you're joining us today. You know, all of us encounter difficulties in life, and for some, they're just minor setbacks. For others, it's serious and possibly even deadly. There are some people who face adversity and stride, and others, the same situation, they totally cave into the circumstances. What makes one person give up and another persevere? Is it grit? Is it attitude or their personality? Well, it it could be some of that or all of that, of course, but my guest today is going to share a remarkable story of relying on God to get him through serious adversity. And I know you'll be inspired and will totally understand how you can face adversity from this day forward when we get done. Amen. Cody Cargill is a U.S. Air Force veteran who thought life was going great. Then, not so much. Cody was medically retired from the Air Force, but continued to have problems. 16 years of nocturnal grand mal seizures but he continued to have faith in God. About a year or so ago, God told him to seek him every single day to prepare for what he was about to face. Little did he know at that time, in 2022, he would face five rare brain surgeries. He almost died from one. The fact he did not die, but has actually gotten better, has now strengthened his faith in God in ways that he could only wish he had served God with before. Amen. When Cody reached out for an interview, I absolutely knew this was God preparing someone somewhere to follow Cody's lead and prepare now for what might be coming soon. At a minimum, it'll help strengthen every listener's faith in God as well as mine. Amen. Praise God. Help me welcome to the program, Cody Cargo. Cody, thank you for taking the time to come and share with our listeners today, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Robert. It is a blessing uh, to be in touch with you and uh, have the opportunity to, to be on your on your show. Amen. Now, I also want to thank you for service to this nation. I love interviewing fellow veterans every chance I get, so I appreciate that service as well, man. Awesome. I I definitely appreciate that. Uh, it's, a, it's it was a blessing uh, having that experience and uh, yeah. leading down the, the road to where uh, I've experienced what I had this uh, this year. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Cody Cargill? So myself, uh, I grew up uh, in church. Well, I grew up with my mom uh, being a spiritual influence um, for developing my faith. And um, from the time I was little, and my biological father, uh, he uh, left my mom when I was very little. Uh, I was probably about three or four. Uh, didn't ever know him. I think I've met him twice uh, in person by my entire life. Uh, now he's in prison for murder. Uh, now and uh, he'll probably out for things. Probably going to be another ten years for he gets on parole. So my mom uh, met somebody else and remarried and uh, told my mom, you know, he would be our knight in shining armor and 
what happened was uh, I was physically and uh, physically and mentally abused uh, my entire life. I've grown up, you know, as a child, teens, um, leading into me moving out of the house and joining the military. So I never knew a father. Uh, I never knew what it was like to to have that father figure to guide me uh, as a man. And um, and so uh, it, it's a uh, that part kind of led me in into uh, really seeking God and, you know, asking why, why have I gone through such hard times? And I've seen friends come on growing up that had great homes, had great fathers. And, uh, but, but I, I never did. <clears throat> Never did I know, you know, kind of fast forwarding is that I uh, was wanting to go into ministry. Uh, I had, had prophetic words over my life. At late teens, I remember there were certain prophetic words that I had and, so the uh, reason I know is at that time is I thought, hey, I'm going to go to Lord Roberts and I'm going to really pursue ministry. And no, 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 we can't have our own plans. And, <laughs> but we we, uh, we think we're going to do our do it our way, and and then uh, you know God's going to bless it and, and guide us uh, in the directions that we take. And that doesn't happen. That's not the case. Yeah, and so uh, I found that out quick. <laughs> so uh, 9/11 happened, and uh, uh, I saw, you know, people jumping from the towers and, uh, instead of going into ministry, I looked at my mom and I was like, oh, I'm going military. Um, I, I, I couldn't stand to see it. And so, uh, joined the military and, uh, it, it was life changing. And I, I remember having regrets, uh, while I was in, uh, thinking God, I should have originally what I was thinking, I should have obeyed you in my eyes and in my understanding what you want me to do is go into ministry right away. I feel like I'm, I hadn't made a mistake. You know, I felt like, you know, my, you know, the, the years I could be in ministry, I disobeyed God and I was out, out of his plan. You know, I kind of went on to the next person. And, uh, and 20 years later, you know, he's kind of showed me uh, just things that he's done in my life this year. He has shown me I was yeah. never, I was never out of his plan. That's right. Um, and so uh, the anxiety and everything that I had yeah. for all these years was needless. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I, I follow that exactly. You know, before we started the recording, I gave you a little background on me. But, you know, when I left the military, you know, unexpectedly left the military and, and everything that was going on in my life, you know, I look back now and see God's hand saying, you're not where I want. You're not going the way I want you to go. Come back this way type thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yep. that's, that's how God works. But tell us about your military career. How was life going? What was your job? When did you begin to notice that things were not right? Yeah. So uh, I went in in December of 2003 and uh, December 8, uh, 2003. And uh, I remember right shortly after, uh, man, it's about six months to a year after 9 11 happened. And uh, I remember having my stepdad, uh, my stepdad was a green gray. And my, my grandfather, uh, he was best friends with President Truman, and he grew up with his wife and daughter. And so hearing stories from my grandpa and just being so amazed uh, and everything, having the family history of military experience, um, it wasn't hard for me to uh, have my, my stepdad at the time take me to the recruiter's office and talk to him about what potential jobs you know, I would have access to and um, get, some, get some knowledge. I, mean, I was young. I didn't know a lot uh, about the Air Force. And so uh, I remember going in, I remember just not letting was fresh in my mind. And I remember telling the recruiter, I was like, look, I want to know how quick I can go. I want to just 
give me the weapons I, I need and just I, I, send me as quick as possible. And so I remember the recruiter saying, well, if you go special operations, you can go next week. But if you don't, you know, you'll have to, to choose whatever job that is uh, available after your, uh, your ASVAB. And uh, you'll probably have to be on a waiting list to uh, for your um, data to, to, to fly out uh, for basic training. So uh, I remember I did I signed uh, I signed the contract for uh, for combat controller, and I uh, came home. My mom freaked out. <laughs> she she <laughs> cried for a few days. Cried, started throwing scripture at me. Miss Cole's scripture, like you don't need this blood on your hands, and it made it sound like I was murdering, and so. <laughs> Uh, went on. She went on for a few days, and I was like, finally, I was like, you know, telling her, I'll, I'll call the recruiter and see if I can, you know, change the contract. And so, um, called him, and he was like, hey, I'll let you do it this one time, but this only time I'm going to do be able to, to to help you and, and change the job that you want. So, uh, after looking at my scores on my app, uh, and choosing uh, to go into aircraft armaments uh, for F-15s, uh, loading missiles and F-15s. So I went in, I went in for, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, basic training and then tech school for aircraft armament. And I got in to, uh, to the training and I was just, you know, I grew up athletic and my original, my goal still was for combat controller. And I felt like I made a mistake. It's not my mom. And so, uh, I, uh, unfortunately at that time I was just not trying at all in tech school. I didn't care about I was passing it or not because I was thought, hey, if I don't pass it, they're gonna let uh, they're gonna release me. And that's not how the military works. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, but my I remember my technical instructor. He, he knew I was purposely not trying. He knew it, and I remember he pulled me to the side. And he he really jumped on my case, and uh, I had to choose another dream list of jobs. And I remember one of the last jobs I put on there was like an office job. What well, lo and behold, what what did I get? An office job. I was putting the personnel, uh, and I was definitely. It's like I was like, "Look, you, I, you know, you changed your original job to, uh, you know, aircraft armament, and you still wasn't trying. So here, here you go, <laughs> put me in an office job. So I, I was in that position, and then um, uh, the war was just fresh, and I was on some medication at the time. And about a year after being put on it, uh, uh, my ex-wife at the time woke up to me having a seizure. And uh, from that point on, you know, I'm still, I was still in the in, in the military at the time, but uh, they couldn't figure out why I had the seizure, um, what was going on, no tumors, no lesions. Uh, the only thing that I had a few neurologists believe is that the medication I was on uh, is what kind of caused it and so then that led on to you know the other this year everything that has happened this year to me has kind of led from, from that part so that's i guess that's kind of like a, a brief synopsis of you know yeah. growing up and, and really getting to know my faith and so the military you know, the military doctors had no idea what was going on then huh? they, not at all not at all oh. I, I remember i remember a few doctors oh man i did not want to think about having seizures and i remember and I would have these sensations of my limbs being detached from my body. Mm. And it would last about 15 seconds. If uh, I felt like I could float uh, there, but if I went to like grab your arm, it felt like I was grabbing my arm. It was mm. the weirdest thing. Yeah, and so yeah. the VA started telling me, the military doctors thought, hey, 
I think these are seizures. Last thing I wanted, I was like, these yeah. are not seizures. I don't have seizures. Yeah. And uh, I didn't believe it. I was like, these are military doctors. They don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they were right. They were right. Yeah. And you've been dealing with <laughs> this now right. for, for 16 years. And has it always been bad or did it get progressively worse as time went on? So, yes, uh, they, the seizures started around 2006, 2007. Um, and, uh, once the grandma seizures, <laughs> the sensations I was having going before the grandma seizures started, um, once the grandma seizures started, I was having maybe two or three a year, uh, uh pretty much, um, after a few years though, uh, you know, through stress and, and life, uh, they were starting to, to come on more and more. Um, but once, uh, the quarantine hit and actually few years before even the quarantine, it started picking up, you know, on a monthly basis. You know, I get a few, you know, every month. Uh, but th when the stress kicked in because of the, the quarantine, they were just unstoppable. Medication wasn't working. Um, so the VA, uh, at the time, since they didn't have the technology to figure out what was going on, uh, they referred me to UT Southwestern. UT Southwestern, I didn't know at the time, um, is one of the leading hospitals, teaching hospitals for a lot of new science, a lot of new technology. It comes out for uh, the, the, the neurological, neuroscience um, world. So, yes, and they, they definitely progressed, and that's what led up to, to me having the, to have the surgeries. At, at what point did the doctors tell you that they may have found a way to help you? So... Um, the when that started coming about was actually the end of last September of last year. Uh, so the what happened, the reason why this all led to the, the workup of surgery and trying to figure out what was going on through UT Southwestern is that about two years ago, um, I, I had two seizures back to back, but after really the second one, um, started having smell and taste issues. Uh, and it was even shortly before the quarantine, so it wasn't COVID, dealing with COVID or anything. It was something that happened in my brain through the, these two seizures. And uh, so the, the taste and smell I had, is just everything smelled and tasted like junk. I mean, it's just horrible. It was hard to eat and enjoy food. Uh, there were times I had to get up and go throw up uh, because the food was so horrible. Um, and so uh, uh, they... I went to my uh, neurologist at the VA and told him, I was like, hey, I had this issue happen with my taste and smell. I let it go for about a week, thinking that it would come back. It didn't. I let it go on for almost a month, and it hasn't. So I need to get out help. I, I can't enjoy eating with my food. I'm not eating a lot now. And so uh, my neurologist uh, at the VA that um, uh, here in Dallas uh, works, uh, I didn't know, but uh, he and a lot of the medical staff at the VA as a contract and everything between the VA and uh, UT Southwestern. So he right away referred me to UT Southwestern and uh, got me started uh, on the workup with what's called an EMU. And so not every hospital has this, uh, this type of access or a blessing. So called an EMU is an epilepsy monitoring unit. And, uh, UT Southwestern, it's amazing what they can do with epilepsy patients and just Amen. testing. And so it was uh, the first test that they did uh, in the EMU, my first appointment with them. They did a, like a five-day uh, 
um, EEG uh, and admitted me and they monitored me 24 seven and trying to get me to go into a seizure to see where the seizures were originating from. And it was at that time I had a seizure that first not the, the medical doctor that was overseeing me is an epitologist and his entire team came in and let me know. Cause I had told them originally not for, you know, he had came in out obviously as any doctor would come in and ask you what you're experiencing, you know, kind of what, how long it's been going on. So I told him, I was like, you know, I, I've had this sensation for the last 16 years, like my limbs will be detached from my body. Um, and I can't explain it to you. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I keep getting told by the VA that it's in my mind. And uh, so obviously he's not been a doctor at an EMU clinic. He's not going to sit there and tell me, hey, uh, maybe it's in your mind. So after I had that seizure that night and they saw where the seizures were coming from, he came in the next morning and, and told me, Hey, I wanted you to know that where your seizures are coming from makes perfect sense of the sensations that you're having. Mm, and it's amen. because they are coming from the parietal lobe. Uh, the parietal lobe, we don't have a lot of science on it yet. In fact, we rarely, very rarely see seizures coming from that area of the brain unless somebody has uh, a tumor or lesions, but you don't. And so it's very rare to see a case like yours. Um, but we know now where they are coming from. And so then that started the process of more tests and trying to figure out other things that were going on. But I finally had an answer for, you know, that I didn't have for the last 16 right. years. Yeah. Amen. Amen. At what point did you receive the prompting of, from God to start seeking him more diligently to face what yeah. you're going to go through? Yeah. So uh, I didn't know when he originally spoke to me a little over a year ago. Um, I didn't know that, surgery would be coming up because they, they were still doing all the testing to see you know where they were coming from why i was having them uh so going through genetic testing going through a, a process that very rare uh machine called a meg that the hospital bought uh through a lot of donors uh is ut southwestern here is one of the only hospitals in the country that has this uh blessing they're having this machine for the ep uh, epilepsy unit <laughs> and what it does is that uh, uh, I, I took like an hour and a half now, uh, actually probably a little less than an hour and a half. And uh, so while I was taking the nap, uh, they monitor uh, the activity in your brain and maps where all your uh, motor skills are, um, all your memory, um, language and speech and maps all this out. And then it lets them know where everything is because not every single person is the, uh, and, and the, the brain doesn't, it, uh, I guess everything that happens in the brain is not in the same location. So they, it's every, the best. For every person is wired a little bit differently. Yes. Yes. And so uh, going through that, I, I remember thinking, but when I woke up from the now, they had me read a paragraph on this mirror and they told me, uh, don't read it out loud, read it to yourself. And uh, so I remember reading it and it's like, they could see my brain working. They could see me, working uh, the brain working as i was reading uh this paragraph and it blew my mind and but i remember thinking like god like this is a blessing uh to me knowing that after seeking answers from medical staff nothing you know is being told to me that i'm actually here having all this done and so uh it wasn't sh but shortly after that test i remember god really speaking to me 
and asking me to start pursuing him more diligently. Um, didn't tell me why, I, but I was like, hey, I agree because I know I need to anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did. And uh, um, when I started pursuing him daily, diligently, I started to see uh, my heart change to where I felt like it, it was a tangible relationship, not just somebody who uh, we go to church and, and praise Christ right. and praise Jesus on a Sunday. But I remember thinking uh, three or four months into it, obeying him and not asking questions, just really doing what he, he asked me to do. But I noticed a, a love and a, and a hunger more than ever for, for the word of God. Amen. And so, uh, and it started to develop from there. And uh, I was like, God, I'm so grateful that I obeyed. I did not know it would lead into this type of passion and drive and, uh, hunger for your word like it has now and Amen. eventually I started seeing peace and more peace and more peace and Amen. it was a that tangible peace. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. And you said that prior to your first surgery this year, God said did something that was so astounding it could only be God. Can you share what that yep. was and how it affected you? Yeah. So uh four about 14 years ago I was going to uh, a church in Little Rock, Arkansas called Agape. It was uh pastor by Happy Caldwell. And uh, I remember one weekend I went to uh, a men's conference at the church and uh, three, four hundred people, whatever it is, several hundred men there. And uh, the special speaker was a guy that uh, played in the NFL. He played in the NFL of the late 70s, the early 80s, uh, set the NFL bench press record. Um, and uh, I remember listening to him. I mean, I grew up in sports, loved and felt honored that I could be at a men's conference that has a a man that, that played in the league and in, in a in a level like that, but he listened to God and went into ministry. Um and uh that's that's what he was doing um after leaving the NFL. But uh, I remember him telling me God has spoke to him, you know, while he was playing in the NFL. His, his name was Ed Glass. And uh God spoke to him and, and told him he was playing ministry and he was like, God. I'm enjoying what I've been wanting to do my entire life in the NFL. You know, I don't know how that's going to work. And so it was, it was long after that. Uh, he had, uh, uh, had a knee injury and ended his career in that, but, uh, uh, he went into ministry shortly after that, but long, long story short, going back that weekend, the next day, uh, we were in like this auditorium and, uh, I remember I was there, I was there with a friend and, uh, out of every all the men there, he pointed at me and said, "Hey, uh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, the Holy Spirit just uh, had me ask you, what? Where's your father at?" And I'm talking about, it, huh? Uh, are you talking to me? And uh, he said, "Yes." <laughs> he said, "Yes." Uh, what the, the the Lord just spoke to me to ask you, "Where's your father?" And I was like, "Oh man," kind of embarrassed that for a second because, <clears throat> like I said, all I have so many other friends that had good fathers, and I told him, "I was like, I, I don't know." I've met him twice in my life. I have no idea where he is. And he, right at that moment, he told me, um, the Lord just told me to tell you, he will be your example of a father and he will teach you how to be a father that you have never had. I, I just about broke down right there. And uh, yeah. so it, it affected, that moment affected me so much. Amen. Uh, and it left a lasting impact that throughout the years, and it was like I said, that was 14 years ago, Constantly, I've thought about that moment and about him. If he's still in ministry, what he's doing in ministry, I've told 
so many friends of mine about the story. My wife told her about the story when I met her and how amazing God is to be able to, to let us see. He knows, he knows where we're at. Yeah. Um, and uh, so fast forward to this year, uh, I, <laughs> obeying God, seeking him diligently daily, uh, wanting his presence, desiring his presence. Uh, it wasn't long before my first surgery that a friend of mine that I was in, uh, a friend of mine, her husband and I were in the military together. She saw a little bit of my testimony uh, uh, from growing up, the stuff I went through, uh, and uh, reached out to me and asked if she could send me a book for a friend of hers that, that's a passion. And I said, yes, of course. Uh, I'd love to read it. And uh, she said he had a similar testimony, similar story. Uh, so then the next day, she reached back out to me and told me, hey, I, I, I asked him you know, if I could send his book to you, but he was like, hey, why don't we do a Zoom call with him? You know, just just talk, and uh, so she let me know and asked if I would be willing. And of course, I told her yes. Uh, you know, I'd love to. You know, I would love to to meet him and, and talk to him. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with uh, Cody Cargill. Now, as we started the program today, I shared how everyone goes through tests and trials in life. You know, life never seems to go the way that we plan, and the, never, the path is never as smooth as what we'd wish it would be. But Cody Cargill should serve as a huge inspiration to someone out there right now listening to this program. Amen? Cody's gone through things that most people will never experience. Some folks out there may go through things that are worse, I agree, or seem worse to those going through them at the time. But the message Cody is sharing is a universal truth. Trust God, seek Him with all your heart on a consistent basis, not just when things are going bad. Amen. And more often than not, you'll find that God's been right there with you all the time. Praise the Lord. Now, I urge you to drop down the show notes, get in touch with Cody Cargo. I mean, follow him on Instagram. He posts these these just nuggets of wisdom on there. And, and folks, this is something that needs to be shared. Share this episode out far and wide across your social media. Let everyone hear Cody's story of inspiration. And perhaps, just perhaps, the person that listens to it, that you shared, will receive Jesus as their Savior. That's the bottom line all that we do. Amen. And be sure to come back for the next episode. This is just part one of a great two-part interview. Tomorrow, Cody's going to be sharing some things with us that oh, it's, I'm excited about because I know what he's going to talk about. But you need to come back to the next episode and find out yourself. All right? Till then, this passed by reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this. 
your voice, reaching thousands, your story, inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.